Amen. Thank you, Brother Dan. The title of our lesson this morning is When Faith Brings Opposition. Now, by the way, I, I do want to say I am thankful to, to live in, in the land where we're able to worship, at least right now. And so the truth of the matter, we face very little opposition. But how many know that could happen anytime? Our family theme is standing against opposition. Our objective is that we would learn uh, to walk and serve God even when the culture says it's not good or not popular with the culture. Our text is Daniel chapter 6, very familiar passage. We've got two key truths this morning. Number one, uh, believers may face opposition because of their faith and obedience to God. But second of all, believers bring glory to God when they remain faithful to Him. Our Bible basics this morning, things we should know. Uh, The question is, uh, what is prayer? What is prayer? Now, if you, have, if, you ask, if you ask a question, what do you expect? Okay, so the question is, what is prayer? Okay, communicating with God. What do you mean by that, LaVenda? Absolutely. And uh, I was talking to someone just this past week, went to their house to be with him for a little while. They, they wanted to meet with me and... I said, when you pray, just just imagine you're sitting on a bench with God beside you like you talk to a friend. Now, I'm not trying to belittle God or lower Him, but it's a conversation with God. Now, if you're going to have a conversation, is it, is it one way? Yeah, that's true. It depends. If you call my dad, it's one way. Okay, I'm serious about that. Uh, you know, he told me one time he gets hoarse from listening. I said, you never listen. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, the, the right way to converse is two ways, okay? We, we speak with God, we listen to Him speak to our heart through His Word, uh, through the Holy Spirit. But prayer is such a privilege to know that we have an audience with the God of uh, the universe. Okay, let's, if you, anybody, let's take our Bibles t- t- today. Turn to John 15 real quick. Hold your place there in Daniel. We'll be there in a minute. John 15. I want to pick it, pick it up there in verse 18. John 15, verses 18 through 21. Are you there yet? Has anybody got it? Want to read it for me, please? Thank you, Dan. What is Jesus telling us here? What's he saying to us? We can expect persecution. Wow. I mean, it is, and, and again, he's very, being very clear about that. And, and the bottom line is, Jesus, if they hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. And, and so we have to understand as Christians, um, we certainly may face 
persecution. And, and by the way, that's a sobering thought to realize that if you follow Christ, you know, so many people have the wrong idea. You know, they say, well, I'm serving Christ. I'm doing what I need to do. Why am I suffering persecution? Did Jesus hide that fact from us? No, he was very, very, very clear. Well, today our lesson is all about that. Uh, we're going to see how basically believers from many, many centuries ago uh, had that problem even in the day of Daniel. Our first key point is believers may face opposition uh, because of their faith in obedience to God. Now, we need to understand in chapter 5 of Daniel, uh, the Chaldeans were defeated by the uh, Persian Medes, if you will. And now a new regime has come in and they're in control. This is the second uh, part of the vision Nebuchadnezzar had, the chest of silver. This is the Mede-Persian Empire. And so because of the change, it was important uh, to begin a new order, to set things right, if you will, and uh, keep in mind, uh, isn't it great whenever you have any kind of uh, political jockeying for position, there's never any problems or any, it's always easy. Well, we know that's not true, right? And the same is true here in the book of Daniel. But here's what's interesting. Because of Daniel, his integrity, uh, his competence, uh, he was drawn, if you will, by uh, the new king. He realized that Daniel was somebody special. Not just because of Daniel, but because of Daniel's God. Now, the problem was, because Daniel was elevated, what did other people think about that? Ah, they were jealous. Thank you, that's for sure. Let's go ahead and pick it up. Let's read the first 15 verses of Daniel chapter 6. Somebody volunteer, please.
Thank you, Dan. <clears throat> kind of interesting here. Uh, new king in town. Now, by the way, uh, I have been told or read that there's two correct ways to pronounce the king's name. Uh, Darius or Darius. The one I learned was Darius. I'm not sure how to be both, but that's what scholars tell me. But we've got a new king in town. And uh, he, just, he realizes that and any good official would, you can't handle it by yourself. And he decides that he's going to set some overseers because there were 120 uh, portions in that kingdom, if you will. And Darius saw something in Daniel that he didn't see in anybody else. So what does he decide, what does he decide to do with Daniel? Absolutely. Now, it's interesting, he chooses three men to sort of oversee the kingdom, different provinces of it. But of those three, who was the top man? Daniel. Ah, that always goes over well with other people, doesn't it? Huh? Daniel was the top one. And so, again, now, first of all, I believe God's hand was in that, don't you? Uh, God is in charge. He's the one, the same one that turns the rivers, also turns the hearts of men. And so God is certainly involved with that. So <clears throat> three presidents, or satrap, whatever you want to call them, over all the governors. Now Daniel's over the, those of the three. He's the top one. In fact, Darius thought, I might just put him over the whole kingdom. So, that being said, what was their response of the other presidents? Ah, they weren't happy. They were absolutely not happy. 
So they decided to do what? We're going to bring him down. Say it again. Oh, I'm surprised you would say that about government officials. But you're right. Right away. They were going to try to find a plan to bring him down. Now think about that. We certainly know part of it was jealousy. Uh, and we're not told the ethnicity of the other presidents. Of course, some of them would be Medes and Persians. We know that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they certainly uh, did not probably want a Jew to be in authority over them. But also understand, because government is always so uh, filled with integrity, is that the right word to use? <laughs> they might have been afraid, knowing that Daniel's integrity, okay, that's not an overstatement, that he might expose some of their, yeah, deficiency shortcomings, whatever. And uh, maybe that was a reason. Uh, <laughs> now, this may shock you, okay? But there was a time, and in Daniel's day, this was true, that a lot of governing officials lacked confidence. I know you're shocked. During that time, they were known for accepting bribes. They were known for corruption. I know you're shocked. Aren't you glad it didn't happen today? Huh? But that was how it worked back then. And so it could be that, hey, if Daniel gets in here, he may expose us. And we don't want to lose the perks we have if we lose the position we have. And so we, we have all those things going on because, you know, when you work beside somebody, you know their secrets. <laughs> and so they said, here's what we're going to do. We are going to thoroughly examine his past. We're going to find out. We're going to open up all the closet doors. We're going to look for any skeletons we can find. No matter how deep we have to go, we are going to find something against Daniel. Now, aren't you glad that that didn't happen today in our country? So they did it. What happened? They couldn't find anything. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think they, they, do you think they searched hard? Yeah. They, they, they didn't leave nothing out. They looked everywhere. What a testimony, amen? What a testimony for Daniel. I mean, they were trying to find dirt, and they couldn't find any. You know why? Because Daniel was a man of integrity. Now, by the way, you remember our first study in Daniel chapter 1, early on he drew a line in the sand. He said, I won't cross this line. I won't defile myself with the king's meat or the king's wine. I just won't do that. By the time Daniel 6 rolls around, Daniel's almost 80 years old. For all those years, he maintained his integrity. So here we have these jealous presidents, and probably others in the kingdom with other, you know, governors and different ones in the kingdom. They're jealous. They want Daniel destroyed. (laughs) 
And they finally say, if we're going to define something, it's got to be what? Something to do with his religion. It, now, now, again, not that they're going to find anything wrong he was doing, but somehow trap him in his habit of going to God. Now, by the way, Daniel was known for his integrity. He was known for his excellent work ethics, a great spirit. But it, does that always go over well with co-workers? Not always. But should we not, as Christians, be known for our work ethics? Should we not be people with wonderful spirits, willing to serve, willing to do? But please understand, not everybody likes that. They simply don't want that to happen. But we must pass it on to generations that come behind us. So these guys get together. Schemes is the word, right? <laughs> they come up with a plan. What was their plan? What was their plan? 30 days. Nobody can pray to anybody but him. Now, keep in mind, I don't think they just went in and read that to the king. I'm sure they explained to him, King, you know, we're, you know, well, this is a new kingdom and we need to set things in order. We need to make sure we have unity. And King, if you sign this decree, <clears throat> you know, we've all talked, we've all talked it over. All your presidents have talked this over. Is that true? <laughs> no, I didn't talk it over then. Not at all. But nonetheless, they implied they did. And so, King, we're here on your behalf, and for your good and for the good of the kingdom, to make it strong and to draw them together, we suggest you make a decree. For the next 30 days, no one is to petition anyone, any other God, except for you. Okay. And again, the king... Doesn't smell anything wrong here, and he sees the benefits of drawing the kingdom together. So he signs the decree. Of course, Daniel, being the top president, he, he learns the decree is signed. So what does Daniel do? Do what? Oh, okay. I, I like that. Now, he didn't just go there for the first time, right? Yeah, he did it every day. You think those guy, other guys knew that? Sure they did. They watched him. And they knew that every day he would open the windows of his residence and pray toward Jerusalem. And by the way, if you remember the a prayer of dedication that Solomon gave in Chronicles. In that prayer of dedication, he petitioned the Lord. And I'll summarize it a little bit. He says, if we ever go to war and we're taken capti- in captivity and we repent and we turn our face toward Jerusalem, hear our prayers. So where is Daniel? He's in captivity. And what's he doing? He's praying. Just like God, or like Solomon had asked for God to hear the petition. But also understand, uh, Dan, you said it, uh, the Bible says he prayed just as he always did. 
So Daniel understood the decree. Nobody, but nobody, is to seek petition for anyone except for the king for 30 days. Does Daniel realize there'll be consequences? Yes. So he prays. Now, I'm not sure how old Daniel was when he came to Babylon. But well over 50 years, maybe 60 years, he stayed true to God. Remember, he drew that line early on. So the question is, was Daniel going to turn soft now? No. He simply wasn't going to do it. Now, by the way, we know Daniel was not a stupid man. Do you think he saw the trap? Sure he did. He recognized their jealousy. He knew they wanted him out. So he realized what was going on. But he's determined to continue what he'd always done. Now, by the way, here's an important principle. Here's what Daniel knew. Daniel knew that what he needed for his life could only come from God. Darius could not provide that for him. So Daniel continued to petition God for his needs for his life because he knew that God was the only one who could grant those needs. I, I, I can't imagine. Can, I mean, these grown men, I mean, how deep can jealousy go? Think about this. And uh, I don't know how they did it. If, if it's been a years ago, but I think VeggieTales came out with a little clip about this, and these guys are hiding in the bushes. Uh, waiting for what? Yeah, we're going to catch him. We know what he does. He does it every day. I mean, it's like clockwork. He, play, he prays three times a day. And so they go and they spy on him, and guess what they catch him doing? Praying. Now think about this. They couldn't wait to go to the king. We've got him now. I have no doubt about that. You know, and the thing too, how important is that testimony? Now, another thing I thought about, Dan, in that same situation, I can't prove this, but I have to believe that Danny wasn't the only Jew who prayed. But who were they after? They're after Daniel. <laughs> Years ago, uh, when I first went into supervision at General Motors, my grandfather told me, he said, son, he said, you have to realize because we're country people. He said, if, you, if you're walking through the woods with a gun and there's 25, 10 cans on the ground and one on the post, which one are you going to shoot at? The one on the post. Daniel was on the post. And they wanted him off. Yeah, so a testimony. 
And what a testimony it was. Now, again, Daniel refused to back down. Now, I, let's make sure we understand. Was he doing it in spite? No. Because that was his custom. In fact, the King James, as he, as he did aforetime, it was his habit to pray every day. So these guys go to the king and say, King, let, let me ask you a question. Did you or did you not sign a decree that for the next 30 days, it's against the law for anybody to pray or petition anyone but you. What did the king say? Yeah, I, I signed that law. Uh, of course, again, they were setting him up. And by the way, remember the law, the Medes and Persians, once a decree was signed, it could not be reversed. Uh, the same thing happened in the book of Esther. You, we read that a few weeks ago. Uh, but nonetheless... They got the king, king to remember. I, I, yeah, to admit, I've signed that decree. Then they said, King, let's, let, we want to tell you something. Guess what? Guess what Daniel's doing? Not only is he petitioning another God, he does it three times a day. Hmm. Three times a day. Now, if you're here last week, we looked at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when Nebuchadnezzar found out they refused to bow before his statue, he was furious at them. Now, Darius learns that Daniel has disobeyed his order. But now who is Darius mad at? Himself. He is mad at himself. For lack of a better word, he realized he'd been bamboozled. They pulled the wool over his eyes. Say it again? Yeah, he'd been set up. And he knew it. But the problem was, he signed that decree. He couldn't alter it. He couldn't change it. Think for a moment. Suppose we could go back to Daniel's time. I wonder how many of them might have said, Daniel, you, you know what's going on here. Why don't you just cool it for 30 days? Be go ahead and pray, but leave your windows closed. Pray silently. I mean, God will hear you, you know. God knows what's on your heart. He knows what's on your mind. Why not do that, Daniel? What do you think Daniel would have said? Yeah, that's the way I do it. Now, by the way, in that culture, in that day, audible prayer was, was the thing. It was a routine. It was visible, and it was audible. Now, by the way, uh, if you ever watch the news and you see the Muslim pray, they're down on their face, and you hear them. It's audible. It's, it's a, now, I'm not agreeing they're praying you know, to the right God, but that's what they did. How many times have you gone to a restaurant, and you know you've got to pray before you eat, right? You go, Lord, thank you for I'm there. 
Uh, I've never really done it that way, but I've done it real quiet. Then I, I got, you know what? I'm not going to do it quiet anymore. Now, I'm, I heard one preacher one time, he'd get up and take a spoon against the glass before we pray. So everybody would be quiet. You know, I wasn't, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to pray out loud. <laughs> one time we were in a restaurant, and, and uh, I think Jeremy Nicole were still in Bible college, and they were with us. And we were getting ready to have prayer, and the waitress had to come up, and Nicole said, uh, we're about ready to have prayer. Can we pray for you as well? And she, that girl was so excited. So excited that someone would pray for her. And she shared a request that she needed. So we shouldn't be ashamed to pray. Now, there's nothing wrong. God does know our heart. But I think it does us good to pray out loud once in a while. Just simply pray out loud. And again, Dan, like you said, for a testimony to other people to give them courage, to strengthen them in their prayer life. So, you know, the bottom line is this. Uh, you know, Darius wasn't mad at them. He was mad at himself. Uh, different reaction than, than Nebuchadnezzar had. And so what does he do for the rest of the day? Try to, what's he trying to do? Yeah, trying to find a loophole. How can I, you know, he, he looked ever, how can I find this loophole and get out of this thing? But remember, there were at least two other presidents that weren't going to let him get by with it. And they remind him, King, you signed it. You know the law. And once you signed it, Got to, got, to, got to follow the law. Can't change it. Now remember what Jesus said. If you follow him, chances are you'll be persecuted. If you follow him, sometimes we'll be the target of unbelievers. So Jesus makes sure we understand. Let's apply it. Remain faithful to God even when we face opposition. Now, folks, I have to tell you, and I can only speak for myself, I know for myself, for me to do that, I need the grace of God. I need to be enabled in the power of God in my life. I need His uh, grace. So the question I want to ask this morning is, as believers, now we know Jesus already said it, we know that's true, but why should we expect opposition if we remain faithful to God? Why should we expect it? Absolutely. They don't like it. It brings conviction to them. And they simply don't like it. And it certainly it can cause them to bring persecution toward us. So number one, we may face opposition because of our faith. And obedience. Number two is, we bring glory to God when we remain faithful to Him. Pick it up in verse 16 to verse 28. Somebody read that, please.
Thank you, Alan. So the king has no other choice but to do what? He gives the lions. So the king goes home that night, he parties, and he enjoys them. What's he do? <clears throat> Say what? Yeah. Didn't sleep all night. Somebody told me a long time ago, if you stay up all night, you don't wake up sleepy. Because you're sleepy already, right? He couldn't rest. And I think the two other presidents, the other po- folks in this thing, they were rejoicing. They were celebrating, not the king. All night long. All night long. What's interesting is before he has Daniel put in that den, he invokes the blessing of God on, his, on Daniel's life. He called upon Daniel's God. So they put Daniel in the lion's den, put the stone, the, the stone over it. They seal it for a reason. Yeah, can't get out of there. It's a good thing the lions weren't hungry, right? All night long. And the first thing in the morning, here comes the king. Oh, Daniel. Has a God whom you serve, has he been able to deliver you? I don't know how many times I've read this, you as well, but it always gets me because... Daniel had respect for Darius. He wasn't mad at him. He said, O king, live forever. My God sent an angel. And that angel shut the mouths of the lion. Now, we're not told that Daniel slept that night. But I'll tell you, he rested well. I'm convinced, well, I know for a fact, he knew early on those those angel, that angel had come, he knew those lions were not going to eat him. <laughs> now think about that. So the king has Daniel brought out of the den. And what about the guys that conspired with Daniel, against Daniel? They were thrown in the den. Now, not only them, but their families. Now the Bible didn't necessarily condone that, but that's how things happened back in those days. And you say, well, well, maybe them lions weren't hungry when Daniel was at the, 
But when he threw those men in, how quickly did the lions attack them? Immediately. Before they hit the bottom of the den. Now, I don't know how many, and I've already pointed this out, our study guide, how many uh, men were involved in this conspiracy against Daniel. And But certainly there were some leaders in that. But I could imagine maybe a few of them said, you know, King, uh, I was there in the background, but I really didn't want to do this. <laughs> you know, trying to uh, separate themselves uh, from the main group. That happens all the time. But it's interesting. Darius gives the God of Daniel all the glory. Now keep in mind, <laughs> they couldn't change the decree. That's, that was set. That's the law of the Medes and Persians. So they bring these guys out. They examine Daniel. How many claw marks did he have on him? Now, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Basically, what happened here, they were guilty of treason. They had tricked Darius. They had caused him, by misrepresentation, if you will, to sign that decree. And what they were trying to accomplish was to rid the king of his most valued counselor. And i got to tell you, the king wasn't happy. He was not happy. Darius recognized the Jewish opposition. And he wanted to prevent any further attempts. And he acknowledged what Nebuchadnezzar did for years. That the God of Daniel is a living God. He is the living God. And so he makes another decree. And says that they have to, they cannot talk against the God of Daniel. Darius recognized that God had a kingdom that does not end. A kingdom that he works mighty deeds. The same kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar saw, the stone king that crushed all other kingdoms. Our story ends well today for Daniel. God delivered him. Can God still deliver today? Yes, he can. But does the fact that God delivered Daniel, does it mean, does it mean that he will always deliver people without any harm coming to them? No, we know that's not true. That is not true. We mentioned last week the book of chapter 11 of Hebrews, the hall of fame of faith, and how some were rewarded, but some were sawn in half. Some were fed to lions, some were stoned, but they were all children of God. They were all faithful to God. So how, how do we deal with that? How, how do we nail that 
down. Well, here's the only way we can. We must trust God to do what he wills. We must trust God with everything. We must trust him whether or not it means complete deliverance from harm, whether it means partial deliverance from harm, or even if God chooses to deliver us from through death. We must trust God and trust his will. Jeremy preached last week, and many believe that Spurgeon may have said this, but when he can't trace the hand of God, trust the heart of God. He knows what's best. He does what he wants to do for his glory and our good. We have to trust God. One of the hymns we sing every once in a while here at our church, and a lot of churches do, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey. Just when it feels good? No. Even when it doesn't feel so good. The question asked by our study guide, would Daniel, would have Daniel at this time in his life, almost 80 years old, If he hadn't started early on to draw that line, would he be able to risk his life? Now, we don't know for sure. But I'll tell you this. There has to be a time in our lives we draw that line in the sand. Too many Christians today, too many, are trying to live as close to the world they can. And I want to tell you, it causes me to question their salvation. Because when a person has given their life to Christ, we want our lives to be as much like His as we can be. And we're always trying to be more and more and more like Him. So here we see the story of Daniel. Now his days of government are about over with. He has some praying to do in chapter 9. He prays for his nation. He realizes 70 years is about up, and they're not much better. And then we have the vision that God gives him of the latter days. So Daniel continues in prayer and studying God's word. We have to remember this, folks. Daniel was cast into the den of a pagan world. And Daniel stayed a man of integrity. I challenge all of us today, Lord, help us to be men and women of integrity. And help us, God, to share our faith, our testimony, that the world might see Christ in us. How much time have I got left, Jason? Oh, i got five minutes left yet. But Daniel was really an example that we can follow. And by the way, uh, was Daniel superhuman? No. He was a man just like we are, but he trusted God with the details of his life. So let's apply it. Trust God to work all things out for our good and his glory. We've got time for one quick question here. 
Why is God worthy of our faithfulness and trust even when we face opposition? Why is God worthy of that? The main reason is why? He's God. He can be trusted. And God knows what is best for our good and for our glory. Let's stand together. Next week we're going to the, to the New Testament. We'll be in Matthew a little bit, uh, Corinthians for a little bit, just selected scriptures. We're going to be looking at the privilege of prayer. Father, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And God, thank you for examples in scripture of men and women who were not afraid to risk their lives for the God that loved them and they loved so much. Give us the courage we need. In the precious name of Christ we pray. Amen and amen. God bless.